episode of the Witty Words of Wisdom podcast. We're going to still read Occult Anatomy in the Bible. We're continuing on chapter 3. Chapter 3 is quite lengthy, so let's get started. The Descent Astrologically Considered From the fiery Aries is projected the initial impulses of life. The origin of all life is a seed. Spiritually or metaphysically, the seed of life is a germinal idea, the impalable, formless idea. It is to the spiritual, luminous seed of life that Periclesis refers when he says, the fruits of water are born from the seed of Aries. And again, he describes this seed as being outwardly cold and moist and inwardly hot and dry, Aries, Throne in dominion of spirit, the Aries throne in dominion of spiritual being contains a miniature pattern of the head, a perfect image, the intricacies of the ear and eye, and the ramifications of the cranial nerves, all functioning accurately and perfectly centered in spirit, operating through channels of spirit. From Taurus, Taurus comes the first projection of form patterns, the beginnings of life limited in space, the Taurian projection. There's the spiritual impress of the throat and larynx. It radiates the image of the throat center, a seat of the creative power which was destined to become the rose of light in the larynx. Christ Jesus demonstrated the perfection of this ideal when he declared, My words are spirit and they are life. The hierarchy of Gemini unites the forces of life with form so that spirit becomes indwelling. Gemini gives the pattern of dual forces the arms and vital centers of breath, the lungs, the impress of Gemini, is in all is in all dual body organs, is on all dual body organs. The two feminine hierarchies, Cancer and Virgo, are powerful spiritual centers through the initiation and wisdom man, through which wisdom manifests. They project the image of the stomach and intestines which assimilate the bread of life type of the divine wisdom or truth, the mana, which comes from, which comes down from heaven. Leo is the astral focus of the brilliant lords of flame who radiate from their own light bodies the nucleus or germ of man's physical or outer body. The Christ spirit is keyed to Leo, which is also the fundamental keynote of the human archetype. When the human race comes into knowledge of its divine heritage, it will realize that it inhabits literally a body of light. The lords of Libra give the pattern for the kidneys and adrenals in the physical body. Scorpio, the image of the generative organs, spiritually considered Libra, shadows forth the likeness of the new Adam. While Scorpio points to the glorious attainment that follows upon regeneration, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, all together, to, together, the co-orientated, co <laughs> I believe it would be coordinated, but it's co-orientated, like orient, orientated, so it's together they created, is what it's saying. The activities of the lower limbs and pedal extremities, when the spiritual centers are weakened, or awaken, pardon me. And the feet and knees, man shall walk and not be weary. He shall run and not be faint. Physiologically, Sagittarius projects the image of the thighs, symbol of support. Spiritually, Sagittarius pictures that great mystery 
which we know as mind, a radiation from the lords of mind, which when developed becomes a stepping stone leading to the gods. Capricorn and Aquarius bear the impress of the perfected, desired and etheric bodies, Pisces the glorious consummation that is to be man-made in the image of like and likeness of God. A consummation to be reached here on the earth plane. The fundamental color and tone of egoic expression, God or cosmic law, geometrizes all the building processes of nature, follow symmetrical lines. Rhythm and motion are attributes of the third or activity principle of the Trinity. Every form is built in a matrix of color and emits a continuous tone, which is the spirit, its spiritual keynote, its heart throb of life. All the universe operates in consonance with the music of the spheres and every physical body as fashioned according to the celestial harmony in the heaven world the archetype of the physical body is attuned to the keynote of the ego that is to inhabit that body it is in the head and heart that this soul song has its two modes of expression the one in a major key the other in a minor by means of which the ego, more literally than any musician yet knows, sings its way through life. Humanity as a whole is likewise dual. There are two evolutionary classes, the practicals and the mystics. The former vibrate the head or major tone and the latter to the heart or minor key. Every atom of the body is formed in accordance with the spirit's initial archetype rhythm. The several interpenetrating bodies of principles of man constitute a um Serpentinary, like I believe it's, or septenary, pardon me, septenary, each sounding a note of the octave. Thus we find that man contains within himself the music of the spheres. Perfect health means perfect harmony between the notes of all bodies, and consequence of this music will become an increasingly important factor in the healing of a disease as the sense of hearing becomes keener and able to inter intercept a wider range of tones than is possible with our contemporary equipment. At the present time, perfect health has come um, comparatively unknown because of the rhythm, rhythms of the several bodies are not in harmony and are so easily jangled out of tune. Materialistic thinking, emotional excesses of any nature, overeating, criticism, and gossip are among the many things that disturb the harmonies and react as disease. Periods of silence, constructive affirmations, entering into one's inner nature, and there contacting the divine, all to serve to restore the tone and rhythm of the several bodies and their harmony as a composite unit. To maintain the wholeness and harmony and all health are all simonious, it is necessary often to be still and know that I am God. We must arrive at the state of development where we can say with Paul, regardless of what so ever transpires around us that none of these things move me writes Periclesis. as often as a transmutation of color takes place so often occurs a transmutation of virtues also there is a latent knowledge of colors just as there are latent colors and a latent cognition of virtues just as there are latent virtues initiation signifies new growth expansion of faculties in progress beyond the old status life is a great initiatory and the various steps or degrees experienced by the prenatal ego are 
a series of initiations and preparation for physical existence. These degrees are outlined in that great cosmic picture, Book of Destiny, the twelve constellations of the heavens, which are the ultimate which in the ultimate may be described as the building processes of fire, air, water, and earth. Monthly chart and prenatal development. In prenatal life, weight increases largely by growth and division of cells. Weight after birth increases in size rather than in number of cells in the body. Centers for the principal bones of the body appear by the end of the second month of fetal life. The germ cells, female av um, ava, and male sperma are easily distinguished under the microscope. The ova are larger and less active than the sperma. Both are com complete living organisms and together become avenues for the incoming of an immortal spirit. The ovum is the largest body cell. Ava form in little pockets or follicles. I believe that's follicles. Or follicles <laughs> of the ovaries. One of the follicles containing a single ovum, ovum, not entirely sure, matures each lunar month between puberty and menopause. This ovum has its means of escape through the ruptured wall of the ovary and enters the fallopian tube. Only one spermium enters the body of the matured ovum, having its tail outside. When the fertilization of the ovum has taken place, it begins to divide into two cells, then four, and so until nine months, one fertilized ovum has grown five million percent. The cells of tiny embryo are termed soma, or body cells. Of these are formed the organs of the body. The first weeks of the tiny embryological development are a sealed book for the materia medica. It is only by means of extended spiritual faculties that this work of the incoming spirit has may be followed. The Carnegie Laboratory of Embryology has assembled only 14 specimens of the third week. From an unidentified newspaper clipping, we quote the following article by Gobind Berry Lott. It bears a New York dateline, December 17th. 1942 and is titled Discoveries About Embryos May Aid in Control of Sex. Dramatic discoveries about one to two week old human embryos that may greatly aid in development of means for controlling the sex of the unborn child came to light today. The possibility that future scientists may use combined methods of eugenic selections and chemical treatments to be given in the earliest embryonic period of life to produce either boys or girls is suggested in two independent scientific investigations just published. One discovery is that for the first time a human embryo only seven and a half days old has been scientifically detected and thoroughly studied. Another embryo nine and a half days old was similarly observed. Investigated by Parrot, the earliest known human embryos have been found and investigated by doctors A.T. Hertig and J.C. Rock of Boston is revealed in the annual yearbook of the Carnegie Inst Institution of Washington published today. The 11 and 12 day old humans, embryos, human embryos are so small that the whole body can pass lengthwise easily through the letter O as printed here. From studies on such early human embryos, scientists will learn much about how the physical and mental development of man occurs and how it can be influenced in the early stages of pre-birth growth male insects. Concerning the possibility of scientific 
predetermination of sex in human being in human offsprings. Doctors John W. Gowen and Ronald H. Nelson of the Iowa Agricultural Station, Amy's Iowa, are reported to have succeeded in breeding fruit flies in such a way that a special strain of male insects are developed. These male insects always produce male um, progeny, irrespective of the female partners. Other scientists have succeeded in proceeding, producing 100% females in such insects. Thus, for the first time, men of science have found a key principle for development at will of animals of male or female sex alone. The application to human beings of this type technique offers great complications in principle. However, it means it might be possible to develop special families capable of producing either only boys or only girls. The above-quoted article holds much of interest for the thoughtful student. However, material science alone will never be successful in regulating the sex of incoming egos. The, this power is us with the guardianship of celestial hierarchies the recording angels who assist human egos to re-embodiment the matter of sex is entirely a karmic one and cannot be frustrated or altered by the experiments of material science as such the first stage to be investigated by physical science is the globular mass of cells called the morula little mulberry the embryo is a cluster of minute cells the second is the bastula stage where the embryo, when the embryo takes on a hollow u-shaped form by the certain infoldings three layers are gradually formed each germ layer gives rise to certain specified organs and systems for each from the estoderm are formed the skin and entire nervous system sense organs pineal and pituitary glands and adrenals from the endoderms come the alimentary canal thyroid and thymus glands, larynx, trachea, and lungs, and from the mesoderm, the voluntary muscles and sexual glands, also from the mesoderm, develops a particular type of connective tissue from which are derived heart and blood lymph vessels, the skeleton and the voluntary muscles, in a few weeks the embryo develops structures which the evolutionary process has required millions of years to bring forth by the third week the embryo has become a minute plant-like structure with a line across it. By the fourth week, the line opens into the plant at both ends. One opening becomes the mouth, the cavity within the embryo will divide and become a thoracic, I'm gonna try to pronounce this, thoracic, thoracic and abdominal cavities. Then a series of lines appear and divide the plant-like structure into segments. I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to the podcast today. If you have not already, please consider donating. We greatly appreciate it, but it is not required. All this is done in a manner that it is given. All this education is given in a way that it is right now free, but we must take into account that it does cost time and money to produce this stuff. So all donations will go back into here and be able to continue growing as well as taking care of the livelihood of whoever participates in this cause. So if you have not already, please consider donating. The link tree is in the description. Thank you. God bless you. One of the most revolutionary steps in human evolution was the development of the vertebral column three types were developed before the present one was perfected all three types appear in the embryo the bony vertebrae skull and limb bones first appear as the cartilage arches and bronchial clefts 
which belong to an earlier stage of human development, first appear in the human embryo by the end of the third week. The way these develop into the intricacy of the human throat is one of the embryology's most fascinating phases. From one of the arches, which in the shark becomes the jaws, the human fetus develops the lower jaw and two of the three small bones of the inner ear, the second and the third of the gill arches become styrocartilages, the fourth, the epiologitis. I think it's epigelitis, no, that is epigelitis, <laughs> the fifth of the windpipe cartilage as the human embryo will develop lungs for breathing. It has no need for gills for the gill clefts do not break through. After the sixth week, no outer trace is visible, but around one end of the first cleft, the fetal ear begins to form. From the remaining gill clefts are formed the this is going to take a second for me to pronounce. Uso, usochation, usochation tube, <laughs> the passage from the mouth to the lymphatic cavity. The lobe or soft lower part of the ear appears in the sixth month and is formed in animals below the apes. At the eighth month, the rim of the fetal ear begins to fold in thus shutting out sounds of the inner world. The second bronchial arch from which fish embryos develop gill covers and muscles is supplied by the seventh cranial nerve. It later becomes the face nerve supplying the ears, nose, mouth, and eyes. Six branches of the erota supply the fish-like arches of the human fetus. The third pair becomes part of the two internal cardioid carotid arteries. The left branch of the fourth pair from the bend of the aorta of the sixth pair, one becomes the stem of the pulmonary artery to the aorta, thus allowing the right ventricle of the heart to pump impure blood into the aorta and on the placenta. At birth, it closes and the blood for the pulmonary artery must then pass into the lungs. This closing of a gill arch artery used for placental circulation occurs when the newborn infant utters the first cry for the ego is then prepared to use oxygenized air from its own lungs instead of from the mother's blood the fourth month old fetus is attached by the um umbilical cord to the fully formed placenta which consists largely of connective tissue and blood vessels that interlace with blood vessels in the uterus. The fetus derives nourishment through the umbilical cord. After the birth, the umbilical cord is tied and severed. This cuts off the infant's oxygen intake and carbon outlet. Then a miracle happens. A blood clot forms between the navel and the liver in which the umbilical vein which stops the circulation in that direction and prevents the infant from bleeding to death. As a result of that clot, two blood vessels cease to function and disappear. Another clot forms in the vessel which connected the aorta, the pulmonary artery, and then it goes out of the circulation. Another necessary change occurs before the infant is tempered to use lungs and oxygen through prenatal development. There is an opening between the right and left, um, I believe this is orisols, Arisals in the form, foramen avil, avale, 
but with the closing of the vessel from the pulmonary artery to the aorta, the blood is forced into the lungs, then into the pulmonary veins, and after that into the left aerosol. Pressure in the left aerosol causes the forbiment avale between the two aerosols. The clots enclosure of certain blood vessels and the forbiment avale change entirely the newborn's circulation. The infant now gets oxygen through the lungs by its own breathing effort. After the first breath, the lungs are free of oxygen and so it lasts. And I just want to kind of pause there for a second. These words are actually quite difficult to pronounce, not because they um, are hard to enunciate. I think it's more of the fact that they're spelled in kind of a different way, like fetus is not fetus, it's foetus. So I'm not sure if that's what it means, but I've, I've seen like some, I don't know if it's decode, but a lot of this just talks about how the human vehicle is being developed during the birth process. So we're actually going to stop there. As I said, this chapter is quite, quite long, and actually it has a couple physical diagrams that I will be sending in the show notes and description on YouTube. So I just want to thank you everyone again for listening. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend.